0: Hello everyone, and welcome to a special edition of BuzzFeed's The Library, our podcast all about RuPaul's Drag Race. Now, we spent many weeks talking about the show, but we decided it would be very important to start getting the tea straight from the people who were there. And there was no better person to start with than Aja. Hello, Aja. Hi, how are you? I love the library. I love reading I know, I was super sad. Were you sad you missed the reading challenge?
1: Let me tell you, the best thing they could have done was send me home before they <laughs> the reading challenge
0: because everyone was in trouble. Uh, you had an amazing run on the show. I mean, first and foremost, how are you feeling about your drag race experience?
1: Well, I feel like my drag race experience was, um, it was very different than what I expected. I think I expected to go in a full Blossom Diamond and, you know, just make more diamonds out of it but instead i kind of went in a caterpillar and turned into a butterfly and left a butterfly cuz you guys filmed that season what like almost a year ago right yeah it was like almost a year ago already so it's really odd to watch yourself like you know uh, pre uh pre-growth and like pre pre uh criticism from the show because you you don't have the criticisms yet and the uh, you know, the real change hasn't really happened. So you're looking at yourself raw. And before you went through that
0: experience and then you see the entire thing happen on TV and you're like, whoa. I'm curious. I mean, when you were, you know, one of the things that crept up a lot for you in those first episodes when you were sort of, taken aback and when you thought you were going to come in and just, you know, own the competition. Michelle read you for your makeup a lot in the beginning. I mean, what was it like watching those episodes now a year later? Here's the thing. It's like, I really, I don't know. Looking
1: back at it, I now I'm like, oh my God, my makeup was terrible. But I feel like at the time, you know, a lot of people... Have approached me and they're like, you know, I didn't think your makeup was terrible before the show. They're like, I think that episode you had a little, a little moment, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, a lot of people know me for my makeup before the show and even after. So it was really odd to be right about uh, my makeup, especially. I think, I just think that like uh, the execution was really off uh, at that moment, and uh, you know, but there's time limitations, and you know, right. you have literally only so long to get into full drag, you know, you you don't really have time to, uh, if you take six hours to get ready on the regular, you don't have time. Not that I take six
0: hours. (laughs) How much time do you have, you know, on
1: average for the runway? It depends. I think that uh, sometimes it could be like two hours. Sometimes if we're lucky, it's a little bit more.
0: And that's when we're being sneaky. (laughs) <laughs> uh, let me, I mean, there was a conversation in the early episodes. I think Peppermint was the one who sort of teed it off about this new wave of queens and how Facetune and Instagram is sort of altering people's perceptions of their aesthetic. What did you think about that conversation?
1: Um, I think that the, the conversation itself is, uh, I think it's a little like stupid to be honest, because I think everyone... I think everyone edits their photos. Everyone wants to look good, and everyone face tunes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, some people do take it to the extreme, and, you know, they turn themselves into, like, watercolor paintings. <laughs> but, you know, if that's what makes them feel beautiful and comfortable, then it shouldn't matter. I feel like this idea of being deceived by someone's appearance is so artificial anyway, and it, it just— it, it's so redundant because you should always appreciate people, honestly, for who they are.
0: Totally your look in the episode that ended up with you going home was, as Michelle said, the best you've ever looked in the competition. I mean, I was living for like that Helena Bonham Carter hair and the skirt. I mean, on some level, if you had to go home, do you feel good about going home on what was deemed your best look? Well, I
1: planned that look because I knew I was going home. Really? I, I didn't think I did that bad in the challenge, but given the circumstance that I had that little, like, you know, breakdown or not even, it wasn't even a breakdown. It was me being, having a very human moment, sure. you know, you know, uh, expressing my dislike for either of the roles that I got because I didn't want the one that I got assigned, which I wish I would have kept. Uh, and yeah. I didn't really like the one I was given after that either. So I was just over it. And I was like, I, it didn't re- hit me till later. I was like, oh, I was like, this is going to you know, this looks very unprofessional, and this is going to, like, get used against me somehow on the runway. They're going to be like, you should have been on it, you should have been on it, especially in an acting challenge where, yes, there were a few who were really great, but I think it was a very tight acting challenge.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm curious, you know, when you say you felt like you were going home, this is season nine of the show, and you have girls coming in who, like, Charlie, don't lip sync, or, like, Farah, don't make their own clothes. I mean, how much of a drag race sort of expert, do you need to be at this point when you come into the competition to sort of know how the game is played behind the scenes so you know how to play the game on camera?
1: I think the game is different for everyone. I think that some people can get by by being a great actress. Some people can get by by just knowing what works for them. With me, I uh, I had this like perception before the show... That, if I went on and I was, like, completely self-made, because a lot of queens showed up on the season and they had, like, all these great continental hairs and coiffed wigs and they had all these, like, beautiful outfits that were made for them. And, you know, before the show, I I literally sat there and I made everything I wore by myself. uh, And I also did all my own hair. So I thought that I was going to, you know, be like, hey, this is me, I'm self-made. But, you know, it doesn't always turn out that way because you know you can be self-made but it doesn't mean you made yourself pretty (laughs) uh uh, you know so that was definitely a moment was like getting there and then seeing like i remember just looking at Shea pull out all those big beautiful colorful wigs and i was thinking to myself oh my god i was like what did i do (laughs) (laughs) uh so that was a that was what I really wish I would have tapped into my resources. And I think that one thing about Drag Race, if you're gonna play the game well, you have to know to tap into your resources and get as much help as you can get. Because if you take if you have anything that's uh, distracting you from just putting your focus directly into right. the competition, and part of that is you know being distracted over the looks, mm-hmm. or if you have to do extra preparation on the runway because you know you brought something that wasn't finished. Right. A lot of that can really alter someone's performance. And I I think a lot of that happened to me. (laughs) That and, you know, a combination of, you know, I was just like, I don't want to go home. (laughs) You know, when you don't want to go home, you will get in your head.
0: You'll be like, oh, You, you know, anything to stay. Absolutely. I mean, speaking of, you know, you were up against Nina in that final lip sync, and she's someone who's really been in her head so much this season. I'm curious what your take was. You know, Rue has clearly made it known that she's invested in Nina's journey. What was your take on Rue keeping Nina over you? Well, honestly, I just think
1: everything happens for a reason. And Mm -hmm. if it was my time to go, it was my time to go. And that's okay. And, you know, I, I don't blame uh I don't blame Rue at all and Nina you know she definitely still had uh she still had a major moment to come you know I I I, I even as a viewer now I want to see Nina overcome that uh that you know the quote unquote the inner saboteur right uh, you know will she you know we don't know we'll find out uh but I completely relate to that part of Nina because she's just vocal about something we're all feeling. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, sometimes we're able to talk ourselves off of that ledge, but sometimes we're not and you know, she was just having a block where she
0: really couldn't talk herself off of that ledge. So I uh, you know, with that said, I'm curious, who do you find yourself rooting for at this point in the competition? Who's your pick to win? My pick to win, I have so many honestly
1: because I think they're all really talented, uh, and especially all the girls left are like, uh, well, most of them are really are really unique. So, um, my personal, my personal favorites are gonna are gonna. It's gonna be Sasha because you know she's my like Brooklyn home girl. Yeah, and like uh, she's so unique and she brings something that the competition has never seen before. You know, mm-hmm. it's not. It's more than just a unibrow. It's she brings an entire culture behind her. Totally. That the world is just now being exposed to. She kind of reminds me of, like, if Joan Crawford and Nosferatu had a baby. Like, it's (laughs) Sasha Valore, Or a little bit of Shirley Bassey, too. Like, she just has these, like, references, and they're all old school, and some of them are a little darker than others, and she just, like, bashes them together. Not bashes, that sounds terrible, but mashes them together into, like, this, like, little pot
0: that we call Sasha Valore. When you said that, you said you know, for the most part, they're all bringing something. I mean, who do you feel, is there anyone who's in the competition now, you're sad, lasted longer than you?
1: Well, no, because like I said, everything happens for a reason. I think that, you know, everyone, you know, every dog has this day and everyone (laughs) has their moment. And, uh, you know, if I went home when I went home, that's fine. It wasn't necessarily me taking a jab at anyone in the competition. It was more so, uh, there's just a few queens that I would have loved to see more from. Totally. You know, there. I feel like there were a few queens who I didn't see, you know, their breakthrough. Because there's, there's a lot of queens on the show that I saw their breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And you could see it there, like, the next episode. Once they were given a critique or they were told, you know, this and that, they just, like, came and they stormed the competition. Absolutely. And then there were some queens who, you know, were kind of just, like, fading away or... I kind of forgot they were there. But also, yes. it's, it's hard to it's hard to, to, uh, to kind of like, I don't know, it's hard to be there and, and do that because I'm also a loud person, so anyone who's really quiet, it's, for me, is going to fade into the background.
0: You came away from this experience, obviously, with so many wonderful friends and lessons, but you also have emerged as sort of the social media viral queen of this season with your meme, you're perfect, you're beautiful, you look like Linda Evangelista, you're a model. Did you stone those tights? (laughs) What's your take on becoming sort of like a viral sensation with that moment from Untucked?
1: First of all, I love the word viral. It always makes me laugh because it sounds (laughs) so terrible. But, uh, you know, when I first got home, I was like, okay, this happened, and this can go either really well or can go (laughs) really terrible. And the thing was, I had no idea. Actually, I'll be honest. A lot of us had no idea that people were going to, like, fall in love with Valentina. Not that Uh she's not lovable. You know, when you're there, you don't know how people are going to perceive us. Sure. So... um, you know, once I realized that people were really, like, digging Valentina, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, they're going to rip me f- to shreds, <laughs> which they did. They did. They A lot of people came at me really hard mm-hmm. uh, for it. You know, people were like, oh, your epic read. I didn't read her. I just like to say I complimented her very aggressively. <laughs> and you know what? She didn't have anything to say, but the bitch should have said thank you because I gave her a lot of damn compliments that day.
0: That's right. You know, you bring up an interesting point. You know, so much in the early episodes was made about how, quote unquote, inexperienced Valentina was. You know, she came into this competition, having only been doing drag for 10 months. And so everyone, yeah.
1: Well, she wasn't doing drag for 10 months. She was uh, professionally performing for 10 months, but she had been doing drag for about four years and she's
0: been dabbling in the arts. The reason I bring it up is because, you know, everyone is treating her like the youngin' of the competition. But in reality, you and Farah were the youngest in the competition this year. I mean, do you feel like as a then, you know, now 22-year-old, it was harder because, you know, you, ha- you have to have such a sense of self about you to really succeed in this competition?
1: No, because... Here's the thing is I when I did the competition, I was 22, but I already was doing drag for about five, six years. When I first yeah. started doing drag, it was before the makeup tutorial on YouTube. It was before, you know, uh, there was such a beauty standard on drag because I feel like that really came along uh, when like season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race hit. You had all these beautiful queens and everybody wanted to look like Miss Fame and Pearl and Violet Tchotchke and everybody wanted to be skinty and beautiful and, you know... <laughs> I come from Brooklyn uh, and the drag scene in Brooklyn is very punk and very odd and we Mm -hmm. don't necessarily want to fit a beauty standard because a lot in Brooklyn when it's ugly or what is seen as ugly by society is beautiful to us so you know I took that perspective into the competition a lot so what I saw at first like you know if you realize that first, like, the first people that I got into it with were Valentina and Farah. Although I do- I adore both of them now. Mm-hmm. It's because, one, I just didn't understand the praise they were getting for being fishy. And mm-hmm. because in Brooklyn, you know, I wasn't fishy. And a lot of the queens in Brooklyn aren't fishy. We we're We're just, like, these, like, crazy rock stars. And we're not worried about looking like women. We're worried about just being crazy and having a good time. So uh that was the most odd uh thing there. It was really it wasn't being young. It was more so even though we were, me and Farrah were the same age, we were coming from two very different areas and eras sure. of drag. Yeah. I think that uh, it, to be honest, the level of drag really comes from your life experiences. It doesn't come from, you know, how much you performed. Because, Mm -hmm. you you know, you can do the same song for six years and not get any better at it. It's really your life experiences. Because to me, drag is an outlet. And you're just kind of reflecting your emotions into this outlet. And if you have a great window into your soul, I'm going to say, and your emotions, you'll be able to portray those emotions into your drag so well, and I think that that's the thing about Valentina is that Valentina has a great connection between her drag and her emotions, and she knows how to just let them go. And the same thing with Farah Farah knows how to show, you know, she know, well, also Farah also is a uh, whines a lot, and she also looks <laughs> like she well, whines a lot. I didn't pick
0: up on any of that this season, girl. I love her so much.
1: Her vo- her uh, her voice literally was like the highlight of my day when I was there because you would always know when she wanted like a smoke break or she had to pee really badly because it was very like it was like, "Oh my god, can I please pee?" It was so
0: it was so funny. I love her so much. That's amazing. Well, you're talking about, you know, growing from life experiences and I think everyone who comes out of this competition talks about how it's just... You get so much growth in such a short amount of time. So when you look at Drag Race, how do you feel it helped you grow as a queen?
1: I feel like Drag Race definitely opened up my perspective. And like I was just talking about, you know, not seeing the fishy queen as a threat. uh, I totally have felt myself become way more of a fishier queen after Drag (laughs) Race. Uh, But I have also found myself, like, really wanting to challenge uh, my idea of drag and what drag is and is becoming. And, um, you know, drag race definitely, you know, is a very mental and uh, emotional experience. So taking all the, you know, all the critiques that I was given and taking every, uh, you know, every experience that I had, all my little meltdowns and breakdowns and everything, it definitely has pushed me to... Uh, I don't want to say be more professional because I never feel like I was an unprofessional queen, Mm -hmm. but more so, honestly, it just teaches me to want to just let go a little more often because Mm. the one thing that I think I had that some of the queens in the competition didn't have was a, a very strong vulnerability. Like, I just wasn't scared to lash out on camera and I wasn't scared to just have a moment, you know. And there are some queens that will not do that in front of camera because they're scared of the reaction they're going to get or they're scared of oh, the fans are going to think I'm a bitch or they're going to think this that and the other you know to me that's not what's important to me what's important is just being yourself and if you're having a moment, you're having a moment and, you know, and some people will be like, oh do you think the edit portrayed you a certain way? No, I think the edit portrayed me perfectly fine, and I'm just myself, and that's what I want to be shown as if I had a bitchy moment, I had a bitchy moment we're human. And you know what? If anybody says they have never had a bitchy moment in their life, they are having a moment of lying. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, the truth is, as humans, we go we go through these hard circumstances. And sometimes our only way out is to have a little diva moment where we're like, I don't want to do this, I can't do this, and that's that. And, you know, I'm very grateful to have had that side shown of me because if there's anything that a lot of my fans have reached out to me about, it's really that they, they can relate to me. And, you know, to me, relatability is very important, especially when it comes to being someone who's uh, being seen in the public eye. You want to know that there's a little bit of you, you know, walking inside this person because you look up to this person.
0: Absolutely. Well, Aja, it was such a blessing watching you this season. It was so great talking to you today. Thank you for being the inaugural queen on our podcast. We so appreciate you. Thank you for this crown. (laughs) And with that, another episode of The Library has closed.